You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian women who are ready to write their first book, and then more so that they can guide their readers into spiritual freedom while guiding their own families into financial freedom. There has never been a better time to answer your call from God by partnering with the Holy Spirit to write, publish, and market books that advance the kingdom and transform people in Jesus' name. I'm Nika Maples, and what a privilege to serve you today. I provide the top-tier solution to help upcoming Christian authors. Today, I'm giving you practical action that you can take right now. Let's jump into episode 95, Allow Any Emotion. Before you begin listening to this episode, which is the fourth in a series, please go back and listen to episodes 92, 93, and 94. Then you will totally understand how to apply this episode. Allow any emotion. The point of any goal is to master your emotions. I'm serious about that. The real point of any goal is mastering your emotions. So what do I mean? Let's take a closer look at the concept. The point of losing weight is mastering your emotions, not changing a number on the scale. The point of writing a book is mastering your emotions, not creating a writing project. The point of buying your dream home is mastering your emotions, not achieving a long-awaited desire. And the reason that mastering your emotions is the point is because you would never be able to get to any of those goals if you don't master your emotions. (laughs) And by you, I mean me. It is our unmastered emotions that keep us from what we want most. We don't lose weight because when we have a strong urge to eat a second helping, we don't master that emotion. And when we have no desire to get up and exercise, we don't master that emotion. And then we don't finish our books because... When we feel overwhelmed and intimidated by a blank page, we don't master that emotion. And when we cringe at the idea of sitting down to write again, we don't master that emotion. Finally, we don't do things like buy a dream home because when we have a greater pull to shop for lesser things than to save for a large down payment, we don't master that emotion. On and on it goes. But if we learn the tremendous skill of mastering our emotions, well, it translates across all areas so that we can reach all goals. And the skill of mastering the emotion can be applied to anything for maximum results. Because the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. We will always have competition for our attention. And we keep thinking that there's some way to make that stop. But what if we just accepted that there will always be competition for our attention? Well, then I think we could win a good deal more often. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5, 16 through 24. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under an obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So this is what it means to master your emotions. It's just sacrificing what you feel for the greater good of the kingdom. What Paul is calling the sinful nature is just really our nature. We're human beings, and it is our um, natural bent to do things for ourselves. We would always prefer to have the last cookie. (laughs) We would always prefer to serve ourselves and save ourselves rather than the other person. And it seems harsh to think it's a sinful nature, but really anything that is not the mind of Christ is sinful nature. So that's how we, we have to be redeemed and reborn so that we can even possibly choose to behave and to live according to righteousness. And this doesn't mean that we want to live in perfection. It just means that we want to live in possibility. It truly is possible to allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life. That's what it means to get stronger emotionally. And it begins with allowing but not indulging certain natural human emotions. No emotion is bad. God gave them all to us as ways of processing our circumstances and experiences. But truly, some emotions are not helpful. And that's where our awareness needs to grow. So let's listen in to this final coaching session from within the Keep Writing course to find out exactly how to master your emotions. As people start coming in, I've hit record and um, I want to coach all through any mindset issues that you may be having with days that you don't necessarily want to write. What do you do on those days when you don't want to write? What does that look like for you when you don't want to write? There's a certain thing that I do to kind of make it more possible for me to write regularly, even when I don't want to. There's a three-step process. So the process is you create a belief plan for yourself. You create a results plan And then you allow any emotion. 
So we're going to talk about the third one first, because it's maybe the easiest one to kind of go at it. We'll talk about each one at different times, but let's just talk about right now first, allowing any emotion. You may have heard me say several times that doubt means that you're entering new territory and discomfort is the price of admission. That is a phrase that I made up to help me navigate two of the emotions that I want to allow rather than resist. I want to allow doubt and allow discomfort. Because when I am resisting those emotions, then I don't sit down and write. I just don't sit down and write. But if I will allow those emotions as being important parts of the process of writing, then I welcome them instead of resist them. They, they're no longer a problem. And I can write even while they're there. Because what we do is we try to think there's something wrong if we feel, and you name the emotions. We'll, we'll talk about the emotions in a minute, but you, you name it. I'm sorry, I'm dog sitting for a friend. So if you hear a dog barking and whining, I can't stop it. Um, so you name the emotions. For me, it's doubt and discomfort. But you think it could be all kinds of emotions. Frustration, overwhelm, confusion, all kinds of those emotions make it difficult to write. You sit down and you're like, oh, I feel overwhelmed or I feel confused. And we tell ourselves that's a problem because if I sit down to write and I feel overwhelmed, how can I continue? Or if I sit down to write and I feel confused, how can I continue? If I sit down to write and I feel discouraged, how can I continue? What if those emotions are not a problem. What if they're, it's fine that they're there. So I even say to myself, what if this is not a problem? I mean, that sentence alone, if you keep it on a post-it note near your computer can transform a lot of things for you. What if this is not a problem? So I sit down at the computer and I feel overwhelmed and I'm like, oh, this, this makes me want to get up because we want to resist overwhelm. We don't want to feel overwhelmed. We, we think it's a problem if we feel overwhelmed. But what if it's not a problem? What if it's just part of the writing process to feel overwhelmed? If that's the case, you just allow it and you write anyway. It's like overwhelm is sitting beside you. And that's fine if he's there eating all the popcorn <laughs> and, you know, Occasionally um, sighing, maybe doing some irritating things, but still it's okay if overwhelm's there. You don't make it a problem. You just allow it to be there. You could do that with any of your emotions. For me, like I said, it was doubt. Doubt that I would ever get this book finished. Doubt that anyone would ever want it. Doubt, doubt, doubt. And discomfort this discomfort of actually sitting down and doing something when I would rather do something else. Like I would rather watch the end of that TV show. I would rather 
go for a drive and go, you know, visit a friend. I would rather scroll on my phone. I would rather pick up the book that I just got from the library. I would rather go make a sandwich. There are a million things I would rather do than sit down when I feel like I'm not sure what I'm going to write about. But I had to create a sentence for each of those emotions that I could quickly go to so that I could allow those emotions. And the sentences that you've heard me say, the sentences that have unlocked the door for me is I finally came to the conclusion, hey, what if doubt is not a problem? Doubt means I'm entering new territory. Discomfort is the price of admission. I made those two sentences for myself because I wanted, I thought if doubt and discomfort are going to be there when I write, I want to make them work for me. No more sitting beside me eating popcorn and sighing. (laughs) Now, I'm not only allowing doubt to be there, I'm not only allowing discomfort to be there, I am actually making them work for me. I'm saying, hey, it's actually a good thing that they're here because doubt means I'm entering new territory. Discomfort is a price of admission. So right now, I'm going to give you, let's take three minutes. I'm just going to watch the clock. Three minutes. Please write down the emotions that come up for you. Like I said, for me, it's doubt and discomfort. For you, it could be confusion, overwhelm, frustration insecurity. I don't know what it is. Maybe I've named it. Maybe I haven't. Would you make a list of what keeps you from sitting down and writing? What are those emotions? Write down two to five emotions that keep you from writing. Okay. So now I'm going to give you a few analogies. I think analogies are basically kind of like tiny little microscopic parables. And they help me tremendously. When I hear an analogy, I'm like, oh, okay, I can apply it. Um, Because we're wired for stories and analogies are just tiny little stories. So for instance, your, your brain is a lake. It's a lake that is filled with koi fish. Those big orange koi fish. It's a beautiful lake. And on any given day, You can go from one side of the lake to the other and enjoy the ride. But in order to do that, you have to be able to ignore the koi fish. The koi fish are your thoughts. There's 60,000 thoughts that go through your brain every day. 60,000. So I want you to picture this beautiful placid lake. That's your brain. And there are 60,000 koi fish in the lake. So you're trying, to, you're trying to navigate your day. You're paddling through your own brain all day long. And there are all these koi fish. Okay. You've seen this whenever you've seen a koi pond. I used a lake. I don't know if koi are really in a lake. They're just easy to picture. Okay. So maybe there's a giant pond. Your brain is this pond. Here's the thing. You've seen koi fish, the ones that are fed the most get very fat and aggressive. So these fat, aggressive koi fish are (laughs) coming up against the side of the canoe. 
They're like, boom, boom, boom. They knock it. They're, they're so big and so strong and so muscular. They're like knocking the canoe. And they're like, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Well, we've all, we've all been able to ignore koi fish. We've all been able to ignore them. You don't have to feed them. But when your thoughts are those koi fish that are knocking up against the boat, you feel obligated to feed, feed them. Romans 8 says, we are no longer obligated to please the flesh. I love the word obligated. We are not obligated to obey the flesh. We're not obligated to please the flesh. We have the spirit of God living in us. That spirit sets us free, but it doesn't get rid of the flesh. The spirit in us. Okay. So you've read Romans seven. Romans seven is the famous one about Paul going, I don't know why I do what I don't want to do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. And then it's like that back and forth chug. And we're all like, oh, Paul was a human after all. He's just like me. Why do I do the things that I don't want to do? Why can't I do the things that I do want to do? And we're like, oh, amazing. And he says at the end of Romans 7, the reason is because I will always have the flesh and the spirit battling within me. I've come to accept it. But then he moves into Romans 8 and he says, because the Holy Spirit is living in me, I am no longer obligated to please the flesh. But having the Holy Spirit does not mean you just totally get rid of the flesh. It's still with you. So when those thoughts come up and those thoughts are saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Nobody's going to want this book. Nobody's going to want this book. If you've been feeding those fish, they're fat and they're strong. So when doubt, like doubt comes up, do you really have anything to say? It's knocking, it's knocking against my canoe. Do you really have anything to say? Is there really anything to write about? What if this is the one time that you can't actually finish a book? It's knocking against my canoe. If I've entertained doubt, it's going to be fat. It's going to be strong. And I'm going to feel it when it's knocking against my canoe. But I don't have to feed it anymore. As long as I'm willing to allow it knocking at the canoe, as long as I'm willing to allow it and I don't have to do anything about it, then I will get to the other side where I have the success of having written the book. The discomfort. Oh, you really wish you could go shopping right now. You really wish you could go shopping right now. You really wish you weren't sitting down at the computer right now and this fish is banging against the canoe. As long as I'm willing to allow that, it's not a problem. The only time it becomes a problem is when I'm not willing to allow it. It's like to make it go away, I have to buy into what it's saying. So Cindy has said, what I focus on and feed will grow. Absolutely. So that means the little koi fish are the ones in the back that are small because you haven't been feeding them. You and I haven't been feeding them. So they're small. So they can't even get, we've seen with the koi pond, the little ones can't even get up there. They're, they're muscled out by the big fish. So they stay small. We've got to say, hey, you back there, I'm throwing this to you. Okay, so there's that analogy. You don't have to get rid of the doubt, the discomfort. Will you put in the chat a couple of the emotions that came up for you when you wrote down the emotions that you, that are preventing you from writing 
Put those in the chat so we can see them. Fatigue, distraction, inadequacy, fear of failure, technical inadequacies. What if I do it alone? Do it wrong. Alone time. Oh, alone time with writing stuff comes up that you don't want to come up. Yeah. Fear and distraction, frustration, unorganized, unfocused, irritated, scatterbrained. Okay. So here's the thing. And y'all can keep putting them in the chat, but here's what I want to tell you. Let's talk about inadequacy. I loved that word. Two people wrote inadequacy. Okay. So the reason that we don't sit down and write is because we are unwilling to feel inadequate. It's like, I don't want to feel it. You don't think that out loud. You don't even think it in your head. I'm, I'm not willing to feel inadequate today. So I'm not sitting down, but that's what it is. It's like, I don't want to feel inadequate because every time I sit down at the computer, I'm going to feel inadequate for however long I'm sitting there and I'm unwilling to allow it. Or I'm unwilling to feel frustrated. Because I'm unwilling to feel frustrated, I I stay away from the computer and I go do things that are not frustrating to me. There are a whole list of things that are not frustrating to me and I keep doing those. Instead of saying, I'm going to allow some frustration today. I'm going to sit down at the computer and allow frustration on purpose. I'm going to allow inadequacy on purpose. I'm going to allow feeling unfocused on purpose. You gain so much strength and control when you think I'm allowing this on purpose. I'm not going to resist it. I'm going to allow any emotion. So we start there is being willing to allow any emotion. Another analogy, I I use the koi pond analogy a lot. I, I have used the analogy that you know, any anybody's welcome at the party, but you get to talk to the people that you want to talk to. Like you can have all these thoughts come into your head and they, they can be welcome at the party, but you don't have to talk to everybody at the party you go to. I mean, you don't have to sit by your frustrated thought and entertain them all night. So my phrase for that, I made up the phrase, not every thought that enters has to be entertained. So if inadequacy comes to your party in your head, stop sitting beside him and like um, constantly refilling his glass. You don't have to put all your attention on inadequacy. He's just there. Okay. He, he's enter, he entered the party. You don't have to entertain him. Just allow him to be there. Allow him to be there. Allow inadequacy allow frustration, allow overwhelm. It's not a problem. What if every single author on the planet feels overwhelmed? Then it's like, wow, okay. So if every author feels overwhelmed, then I'm doing something right. I'm feeling what every author feels. But see, nobody says that. So you have this idea that everyone is sitting down having this perfect experience when they write. So I want to encourage you to come up with a statement like I came up with a statement that I'm going to make doubt serve me. Doubt is good. If you want to make a a statement as simple as that, doubt is good. 
Sometimes I say simple things like doubt is part of the writing process. You can make it as simple as that. If you want to get creative, you can think along the lines that doubt means I'm entering new territory. You can get creative, start your juices flowing. How can you make those feelings serve you? Everything must bow to the kingdom. Everything must bow to the king of the kingdom. Maybe I should have said everything must bow in the kingdom to the king of the kingdom. So that's why I'm saying allow those emotions because it's fine that they're there because they're about, they're going to serve you. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king. Whatever comes up has to serve you. You're not in obligation to your flesh. It has to serve you. So when you have those emotions, think of them in a new way so that you're not making them a problem anymore. You're actually making them be a benefit to you. So I want you to, um, let's take five minutes. And I want you to go back over those emotions that you shared. And I'm just, I'm still going to be here, but I'm going to turn off my camera, which will make it look like I'm disappearing. I'm still here, but I think it's awkward if I'm, you're looking at me. So you're going to be kind of just like focused for five minutes. I'll watch the clock for you. And come up with some statements, more than one. You can come up with five different statements around one emotion and make it serve you. Take away the sting of it. Make it not a problem. Okay. So it's been about five minutes. So you've made a lot of progress, I hope, with redefining the impact of these emotions. What you're doing is redefining it. So another definition, it takes a while to sink in. It takes a while to be accepted by you. So what I do, I cannot overstate the power of a timer in my life. I I love timers. They, They do a lot for me. One of the things that they do for me is they make, it's like a bargain that I, that I make with myself. For instance, It's like, I'm willing to feel doubt and discomfort for 25 minutes today. I will set the timer and then I'm like, I'm willing to, I'm going to sit here and feel it for 25 minutes. I set the timer and then I just try to write for 25 minutes. I'm like, I'm willing to feel that for that long. This is not like forever. Your brain tells you feeling inadequate If you let that start, it's never going to stop. If you let that insecurity start, it's never going to stop. That's why I choose a timer. Because I'm like, I'm willing to feel insecure for 43 minutes today. I'm going to set my timer for 43 minutes. And I'm going to feel insecure on purpose for 43 minutes. And when you do that, you take the power away from the emotion. And you take it back for yourself because you're like, no, I'm choosing when I'm going to feel that emotion. But when we resist the emotion, it's like, I got to avoid every situation that this emotion is going to show up. I got to avoid every situation where it might, it might control me. How about I'm not afraid of that emotion? Because a daughter and a son of the king, we're not afraid of anything. 
So it's like, um, okay, so I will permit, I will permit myself to feel this inadequacy today. And when you, when you do it on purpose, it's like gaining mastery of that emotion. So a timer helps with that. I liked when I looked at the chat, I saw Christina wrote, I can stay, I can choose to stay still and write instead of needing to do something to make me feel the opposite. So she said, you know, like if I have this emotion here that I'm not wanting, I try to go do something to make me feel the opposite of that. That's the thing. We all buy into this, this concept of things and situations make us feel something. So we do exactly what Christine is saying. I don't want to feel this. So I'm going to go do this instead where I feel what I want to feel. What if you just stay master of all of it? And you're like, I don't need to change things. I can choose to feel whatever I want to feel when I want to feel it. It's a, it's a, it's a mastery that grows the more you practice it. So yeah, feeling something on purpose, setting your timer, feeling something on purpose. Here's the other thing that I do. I intentionally, if, I, if I'm specifically avoiding a thought or emotion, if I'm intentionally avoiding an emotion like doubt and discomfort, I will journal twice a day on that emotion. It deflates it. It takes the fangs out. If you will sit down and journal twice a day, and I set my timer for seven minutes. I'm like seven minutes or one page of the journal, whichever one comes first. Seven minutes or one full page handwritten, whichever comes first. And I will write about doubt. It's like, I will, I will ask myself all kinds of questions. And this is being recorded so you can go back and listen to this to, to hear these questions that I journal on. I'm like, what is doubt costing me? And is it worth it? When were some times today that I felt doubt? And why did I feel doubt? When were some times today that I did not feel doubt? It's just like you're gaining self-awareness. You're just gaining mastery of the, that emotion when you become very aware of it. Um. What's so bad about doubt? Why am I thinking doubt is so bad? Plug in any of these emotions. Inadequacy. Like what's so bad about feeling inadequate that I would be willing to not do what God's calling me to do in order not to feel it? Is inadequacy even true in this? Is it even true in this situation? Those are the kind of questions that I ask myself at the beginning, at the end of every day. And like I said, it deflates, it defangs, it declaws those emotions so that they can just sit beside us while we write. We just allow it. They're not a problem. Just sit there. I can feel inadequate all day long. Sit right there. Eat the popcorn and sigh. I don't care what you do because I'm going to keep on doing what I'm called to do, I'm not afraid of you anymore. You sit right there. <laughs> I also cultivate my three highest emotions. 
So some of you, we've, we've journaled on this before. If you haven't heard me talk about this before, I think it's important to find out your three, like, how are you operating at your best when you feel three specific things? Why I picked three, I don't know, because I had three that came up to my mind. Here are mine. When I feel free, I mean, when I feel free, I can create amazing things. When I don't feel free, it's like, oh, I, I kind of feel stifled. But when I feel freedom, I can create amazing things. Calm is my other one. Calm. When I feel calm, I can create amazing things. And when I feel playful, if I'm in a situation that is free, calm, and playful, I can create, those are my three highest emotions. And I really think that that's what Jesus offers me on the regular. Like he knows me and he's like, when we spend time together, I walk away feeling free, calm, and playful. That's what I get from Jesus. He's like, let me give you more freedom, calm, and playfulness because you and I, we create amazing things when you're in that zone. It's like my triangle of excellence. So maybe you've written down before the three emotions that are your highest emotions. What's your zone of excellence? Take two minutes. You can turn off your camera if you like. Some of you like, some of you don't, it doesn't matter. But take two minutes to write down your trio, the, the triangle of excellence. I'm seeing peace, calm, love. Oh, when I hug people, when I feed people. So that's like hospitality and affection. When you're affectionate in hospitality, that's energized, focused. Watch this. Hold on. Come here, Tucker. Come here. Come here. So here's this dog. Do you see him? Come here. Come here. He Consider Tucker. He's this little emotion here. I'm not making him a problem. I can still talk while he's licking my face and scratching my arm, which he just did. <laughs> and I, I wanted him to stay a minute, but he has a mind because it's another analogy. When I I started to say he makes all these weird grunting noises all day. I'm like, okay, I'm never going to be able to coach while I have this dog grunting and barking. And then I was like, what if it's not a problem? What if having him here is not a problem? What if me being here is not a problem? That's how, and I even just called him over. I'm like, I have mastery over this thing. I was given the keys to the house. I've got all his food. I have mastery over this puppy. And I can tell him to come here and go. I can close him in a room if I want to. If I'm like, hey, stay in the laundry room. I'm closing the door during this call. I have mastery over that dog. So I'm not worried about him. I want you to think of your emotions that way. You're holding all the food. You've got the keys to the house. God gave them to you. You can shut the door. You can allow, I allowed that dog to climb up on me and I still, I didn't make it a problem. You can decide that about your emotions. So I see some more emotions, stillness, joy, peace, hope, energized, calm, inspired. Okay, so 
seven minutes in the morning and seven minutes in the evening or one full page, you can decide what you want to do. I've coached some clients to write one sentence. If you don't have time for seven minutes, you can set a timer for one minute. I think one minute in the morning, one minute in the evening is highly effective. Writing one sentence instead of a full page. But you're not only going to meditate on the negative emotions that you're trying to avoid, you're also going to meditate on the positive emotions that you want to cultivate. So for me right now, I'm like, I'm asking myself questions around calm because I keep getting kind of agitated about different situations. I'm like, wait a second, what becomes available to me when I am calm? Why would Jesus offer calm to me? When are some times, I get reflective, I get aware. When were some times today that I felt calm? When were some times today I did not feel calm and why? Where, where were some times in my past when my best decisions were made from calm? Just like the old G.I. Joe cartoon used to always say, and now you know, and knowing is half the battle. I think of that all the time, that really and truly, we're not trying to get to a destination with our emotions. We're just trying to gain mastery over them because God gives us mastery over all things. We have the authority. We have the authority. He's given it to us. But we're walking around acting like it is because the world tells us follow your heart or you can't help it or all kinds of things that tell us that our emotions can't be mastered. They can absolutely be mastered. You tell your emotions to follow you. Otherwise, we'd never get a thing done in the world. I would never fold the laundry if I did not make my emotions follow me. So I just want to encourage you to allow any emotion. We aren't afraid of anything. We can feel inadequate and still get something done. We can feel um, discouraged and still get something done. But we can also grow our three highest emotions, that zone of excellence, by meditating on, considering, journaling about, thinking about those things. So just becoming aware, knowing is half the battle. Know when you feel what you don't want to feel. Know when you feel what you do want to feel. Become more aware of the situations and the places and the things that feel a certain way. All right. Cindy says, Jesus will bring around the people and things I can master with the talents that he has specifically given to me. Yeah, you know, it may very well be that Jesus is allowing you to feel a specific emotion so that you can master it. I mean, we didn't even know when, within the story of Cain and Abel, you know, God told Cain, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must master it. Well, the sin that was crouching at Cain's door was jealousy. That's an emotion. It's also a spirit, but it's an emotion. So get aware that our emotions are crouching at the door and they desire to have us, but we must master it. We have the capability to do so by just saying, hey, you know what? I don't have to do what you say. I've got a master already. Everything else is bowing to him just like I am. So. 
Um, I wanted to share that with you in case you feel like I'm not able to get my writing done. I'm not able to sit down and even work on it because I feel this, this, or this. Just become aware of those emotions and when they show up. So I'd love it if we would break up into small groups right now. And for five minutes, go around the group and, or I'll say 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Let's go around the group and share some of those statements. Because in the same way, allow other people to write down your statements. Because who knows, but that somebody else would be like, yeah, that statement's great. I want to borrow it. So you can borrow those beliefs from one another. Um, I'll put you into breakout rooms. Yay. Well, I hope that was incredibly productive to hear where other people are with their emotions and to realize it's just not a problem. I wish more authors would talk about what they feel when they write, but who's talking about it? I don't hear anybody talking about it. So we get this idea that it's easy for everyone else and hard for us. What if it's hard for everybody and we just have to decide it's not a hard's not a problem. Thank you so much for being here. And um, you can always go back and listen to this on the podcast. If there are parts of the questions or anything you want to re-listen to also in the members area. Thanks so much for coming and happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are in the United States. Happy Thanksgiving. For those of you who are abroad, it's Thanksgiving every day, right? We're always so thankful for what the Lord's done. See you next time. Bye-bye. Has this podcast been a blessing to you? I am so grateful when listeners write a quick review of the Keep Writing Podcast. Because when you do, it really makes a difference. You're helping me. It improves the visibility of the show, bumping it into the feeds of the listeners who haven't discovered it yet. And it's an easy way of helping me spread the good news to other Christian women who are ready to write books for God's glory. Here's what one listener had to say recently. Carriage gave me five stars and wrote, Thank you, Nika. Wow, it's amazing how God used your words to encourage, challenge, and lift me up. God's timing for me to hear your words was perfect. Just what I needed and when I needed it. Thank you for your faithfulness in listening to God and sharing the good things he's giving you. Nothing and nobody can keep God from accomplishing his plans in my life. And his plans for me are good. Thank you and God bless you. Yes, Carriage, God's plans for you are good. And I pray that you receive a double helping of blessing today and for this week and for this quarter, this season of time, because you've certainly blessed me by dropping that in the comments. And so I pray a heavenly outpouring of blessing on you too. To everyone else, will you please consider helping me in this way too? Stop, leave a quick review telling new people exactly what they can expect when they subscribe. Until next time, keep writing.